we must remember that we've got to um, make sure our hearts are open, ready to listen to His Word. I really wanted to start with the dad joke, but uh, Robin told me I'm not allowed to, so we have to get straight into it. (laughs) So I thought we'd start with a quiz today. So I'm wondering what memories are brought back if I mention the date, the 30th of April 1988. Now I know Jim wasn't born then yet, but that's okay, he might remember. 30th April 1988. Let me give you a hint. Expo 88. Who got it right? Maybe some little images of of what happened at Expo 88. Okay, that's the first question. I've only got two questions. The second question is this one. Do you remember what was significant about the 13th of March 2020? Oh... Your memory is not as shot as mine. Really good. So that was it, wasn't it? Go straight home and isolate. Maybe this is another image, the other couple of images that, re, um, that, remained, that remained with you over that. You know, the first image I showed you about um, Expo 88, um, that, was a ce- that was a celebration, wasn't it, for those old enough to remember. The second one's not so much of a celebration. But there's similarities, you know, between the two circumstances, even though we've got celebration and no celebration. Did you notice the lines of people in both? Now, I remember in 1988, that's showing my age, but in Brisbane at that time, we didn't line up for anything, did we? We weren't used to waiting. By 2020, waiting had become the new norm. We had to wait. We had to line up. So over the next few Sundays, as we approach Christmas, we're going to be looking at how we might wait on God. What does it mean to wait on God? How much patience do we have to have as we wait on God? As we approach this Christmas season, it will be good to remember what waiting on God is really all about. So I thought we might just pray before we we get into this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning, please touch our hearts with it, Lord, that we might be able to gain some insight of what it is to be waiting on you, to be listening out for you. So Lord, I just pray that the words that are spoken this morning will be your words and that will touch the hearts of those whose hearts are ready to receive it. I just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at it from three angles this morning. And um, as uh, Haley and the team have shared with us this morning, there's three readings. One, the first one from Isaiah, I've called the coming of the Lord. And that's, what are we waiting for? The second one from uh, Matthew 2, um, I've called the Lord comes, the waiting is over. And then the third one, the Lord returns. Are we there yet? And that comes from Matthew 24. So let's, let's have a look at this first one. What are we waiting for? You know, despite what many people believe today, religions and religious leaders of the world are not the same. 
many people in our culture promote the ridiculous claim that Jesus was just another religious leader, a good person who tried to make life better. But Jesus is unique in so many respects. He alone is the good person. Why? Because he was the one who lived a sinless life. Every other religious leader has been sinful and needed a saviour. But Jesus didn't need a saviour. Why? Because he was the sa- He is, was, bad word. He is the saviour. There's no prophecies, you know, for telling details about the, other, about the birth of other religious leaders. There's no prophecies alerting the world to the coming of Muhammad in Islam. Joseph Smith in Mormonism. David Koresh in the um, Branch Davidians. Or even Charles Taz Russell, Jehovah's Witnesses. Or even Siddhartha uh, Gautama, the, the Buddhist leader. Or really any of the other world's foundations, was there? Other world's religions. Yet the Old Testament pinpointed numerous details about the life of the Son of God and the Saviour of the world. Isaiah 11 gives us some insight into the earthly origins of Jesus, remembering that this book, this book of Isaiah, was written about 700 years before Jesus' birth. And this early prediction shows the relationship that, that Jesus has with his Father. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom, of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So we've got some waiting here, haven't we? About 700 years from the time Isaiah had written this until the birth of Jesus. Indeed, Israel would have been very used to waiting all through their history. There were extraordinary times of waiting, For example, when they were in the the land of Egypt, they waited for about 400 years, waiting for God to bring Moses to them. Isaiah tells Israel that someone from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Now, in the last two verses of the previous chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 10, we get the idea the Lord is chopping down the proud as as if they were mighty trees. Now from that stump, the Lord has found a green shoot. And this green shoot will bear fruit. The royal authority of the house of David had been dormant for 600 years when Jesus came as King and Messiah. When Jesus came, it was like a new green branch from an apparently dead stump. Henry Baltimore, uh, Harry Baltimore, the prolific Christian writer, says this, and let me read it out, it won't be on the screen. We see a bare, withered tree stump, robbed of its trunk and top, and it looks as though the stump will never bear any fruit anymore. But a small shoot sprouts from the root of this dry stump, which is the Davidic dynasty. Because of its unsightliness and misery, it is not named after David, but after his father. When Christ was born, there was nothing royal about that dynasty, but a new shoot sprang from the old stem. 
Jesse was much less fa uh, famous than uh, as the father of King David, wasn't he? It is more humble to say from Jesse than from King David. Verse 2, we see seven aspects of the Spirit of God that have been secured in Jesus. And these seven aspects of the Spirit, these seven aspects of the Spirit of God are not the only characteristics of the Holy Spirit, but they're grouped together in a seven. What's seven? To show fullness and perfection of the Holy Spirit. If these aspects show the perfection and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and they will be given to Jesus then surely Jesus must be the true Son of God and part of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Isaiah is saying that from the root of Jesse, the Son of God, and or indeed God himself, will come to Israel to save his people and to judge with righteousness. What was Israel waiting for? They were waiting for a saviour. They were waiting for a king. The waiting will be over. Jesus will come. Jesus will judge and Jesus will save. So what are you waiting for? Are you waiting for Jesus to be part of your life? What are some of the ways that you can let him be part of your life? Read his word. Listen to him as he speaks to you through his word. Are you reading his word often enough to realise that Jesus is actually speaking to you? Are you reading his word expecting him to be talking to you through it? Let me give you a share, share a little experience I had about Jesus speaking to me. Actually, I was unsure whether I should be standing here on the 6th of December 2020 when Tim had actually asked me, would I, would I stand here and talk to you? A few weeks ago, I think I don't know if you remember, but I was sharing with you how I've been trying to read the Bible in a year. Well, I was a day behind when Tim had asked me this. So what was my day behind reading? Well, it was Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Let me share it with you. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Wow. I was a day behind. I shouldn't have even been reading that. That was God speaking to me. Answering something that I had put to him. Be bold. Don't be afraid to ask God. Be prepared to find out the answers when reading his word. What are you waiting for? Maybe something we can re just remember, us, something to remember. God speaks to us through his word. And we come on to the second part. The waiting is over. As we looked at Matthew chapter 2, and after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, came to, Jer to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. In verse 10. And they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Israel was waiting for their saviour to come to their rescue. And we read in Matthew that the saviour had indeed come to his people. 
but they did not recognise this baby Jesus, even though his humble birth had been prophesied centuries before that historic time. The first people who took notice of Jesus after his birth were shepherds who saw and heard glorious things concerning him and made them known abroad to the amazement of all who heard them. And we read in Luke 2, 17 and 18. After that, Simeon and Anna spoke of him by the Spirit. Now we'd think that these hints should have been noticed by the men of of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. You would think that they would have embraced with both arms the long-looked-for Messiah. However, it appears that Jesus lived for nearly two years after that at Bethlehem and no further notice was taken of him until those wise men came. It's so amazing to note that even in these momentous events, there are none so blind as those those who will not see. The earliest responses to recognise is that from the Magi. Their responses were entirely in sync with the momentous occasion of the birth of Jesus. Now, these Magi were astrologers from Persia. Everything about their background would point these men to being enemies of a Jewish Messiah. In the time when Daniel was chief of the Babylonian and Persian Magi, and we read this in in Daniel chapter 2, verse 48... Um, it says, when the king, uh, when king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him, he made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Wow, that's a coincidence, isn't it? He had prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. Now, the other interesting thing to note here is that God decided to speak to the Magi in a language that they understood. He spoke to them through a star. Now, what of this star? Well, there are many different suggestions of the natural origin of this remarkable star. Some say it was in the conjunction of um, Jupiter and Saturn, some other planetary conjunctions. Others suggest a supernova. Some even think comets or a a specifically created unique star or a sign. But I'd like us to read that text again. We might get a little bit more information. Verse 2 recorded what the Magi had said. They said, we saw his star when it rose. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know how many times I've read that verse and read the instead of his. It's a whole new context when you think his star. Spurgeon makes this comment. He says... The star was Christ's star itself, but it also led others to Christ. It did this very much because it moved in that direction. And it's a sad thing when a preacher is like a signpost pointing the way but never following it on his own account. Such were those chief priests in Jerusalem. They could tell where Christ was born, but they never went to worship him. They were indifferent altogether to him and to his birth. The chief priests were still waiting, even though they had scripture which told them what to be ready for. Micah chapter 2, sorry, Micah chapter 5, verses 2, verses 4. 
But you, Bethlehem, though you are a small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come, um, will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Verse 4, he will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. This couldn't have been a clearer message for Israel, but it was ignored. This was the first contact the religious leaders had with Jesus. They understood the biblical information correctly, but failed in the application in their lives. Now, it could be the same for us today. We can know our Bibles backwards, forwards, as a matter of fact, any which way you like. But if we don't apply what we're being taught, then it's all for naught. Applying what we've learnt from God's Word can be a tough one. It may go against it, well, it will go against our sinful nature, and it might just not be convenient for us to apply that particular word of Scripture. Or maybe there's just some certain bits that are just too hard for us to understand, too hard for us to follow. So what do we do? Do we just figuratively rip those pages out of the Bible and discard them? All of God's Word is for us, not just the bits that might tickle our ears. He speaks to us through all His Word. How prepared are you to change your Bible reading habits so that you can find out what God's saying to you? How prepared are you to wait upon God's Word? In other words, waiting upon God. The Magi couldn't ignore that star. It's estimated it could have been two years for them to arrive in Bethlehem. They travelled this amount of time to worship a baby Jesus as King of Kings. They'd seen an extraordinary star, one they hadn't seen before. They took this to be an indication of an extraordinary person born in the land of Judea, the land that the star was seen to hover over. When the Magi arrive in Jerusalem, they ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Did you notice that? Not born to be king. Jesus was king as soon as he came to earth. The Magi are a really good example of faith and a profound contrast to the others in this second chapter of Matthew. They came to a place they didn't know and worshipped when they met Jesus. They possessed a lack of information, but they had great faith. So something we might be able to remember here. It's not the strength of faith that is important, as the object of faith. So how comforted are you by the story of the Magi coming to worship Jesus? They started their journey as non-believers and ended up as believers. The reaction of the Jewish leaders was totally unreasonable. There is an important lesson for all of us here. It can be so easy for us to become like the priests and teachers of Israel... Choose the status quo rather than stand up for Jesus. The coming of the Messiah demands our everything. If Jesus is who he says he is, the Son of God, and the Saviour who rules his word, this world, he deserves nothing less than our full devotion. 
C.S. Lewis said this, Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance, and if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it can't be is moderately important. And that was in his book, God in the Dock. The Lord returns. Are we there yet? Matthew 24. And I won't read it again. When I was a young child growing up, our family would go on holidays, and we even had cars then, and there was a phrase that seemed to come to the forefront during every one of our driving days. And interestingly enough, the same phrase was passed down to our children when we went on driving holidays. Now, I don't think I taught our kids what I'd experienced. Maybe it was a subliminal thing, I don't know. Why? Because our grandchildren are saying the same thing to their parents. Have you guessed what it is? Are we there yet? Maybe the saying originated in biblical times. Luke 19.11 talks about something similar, but in more context about what we're talking about today. Verse 11 says, While they, that's the disciples, were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. In other words, the disciples were asking Jesus, are we there yet? The real final coming of the promised one will not be a drawn-out process. It will be sudden, without warning. We don't, know, we don't know what the nearest of that final coming of Jesus is in, in judgment. Just as lightning fills the sky so that everyone sees it, it will be the same when Christ returns. No one will miss it. It will be manifestly bold, sudden, inescapable. He will fill the sky with his glory. No one will need to point it out. Now today, we've spoken about the prediction of Jesus coming to earth. We've spoken about his arrival. Let's compare the first arrival, the advent, with his second. The first one was over a period of time, wasn't it? The second one will be completely different. It'll be sudden and quick. Jesus tells us that when he returns, there'll be a great disruption to natural order. Now, we don't know exactly what will happen, but one thing we do know is this. All nations will mourn. Jesus then tells this parable about a fig tree to emphasise his point. A lesson from the fig tree. Why? Because a fig tree has a regular pattern. The leaves appear and summer follows. When you see the leaves, you know summer's near. It seems that Jesus' reference here is not so much about the figness of a fig tree, but on the way the fig tree follows reliable growth cycles related to the seasons. Luke 21, 29 and 31 says this, Look at the fig tree and all the trees. They are already budding and you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Now, Jesus is saying that when these signs appeared, as he foretold, and that's the abomination of desolation, followed by great tribulation, followed by the signs in the heavens, his return to earth will follow. 
as the fig tree buds, there is an inevitable result. Summer is near. Fruit is coming. In the same, in the same way, when these signs are seen, the coming of Jesus to this world in glory will inevitably follow. How much do you think about the occasion of Christ's return? There's lots of possibilities, aren't there? One thing for sure is that there's going to be a loud trumpet call. And another thing we can be sure of is that we're moving towards Christ's return. There is no way we can say when that's going to happen. And in fact, we're encouraged not to even put a timeline on it. Only God knows that timeline. One thing we can be sure of, that life is, or is moving towards Jesus' return to earth. So are we there yet? Something we can remember. All of life is moving towards Jesus' return to earth. So a question for all of us is this. How prepared are we for the return of Jesus to earth? Are we ready to see that lightning in the east? Now God's given us some significant signs. It's like going on a road trip and we don't take a map with us. We never know what we're going to miss out on because we've passed some significant features and not known about them. God has given us a road map. We need to read it so we can recognise the signs he wants us to know about. And when we look around this world in 2020, we probably consider things looking a bit grim. But Jesus is telling us that there's going to be a lot worse before it gets better. As Christians, we need to acknowledge where our hope and our security is, and it's in Christ alone. I remember many years ago when I was... not a very mature Christian. And there was a lot of these series of end-of-the-world predictions. At that time, my faith wasn't all that mature, and it wasn't mature enough to work my way through what was happening. This led to many sleepless nights for me, wondering if I was going to wake up in the morning. It was a bit like the turning of the 20th century and the 21st. You know, remember the Y2K bug? I can look back now on that part of my life and shake my head at the insecurity that I had in accepting what Jesus had done for me. What was I thinking? Maybe there's some here today in exactly that same situation. I'm hoping and praying that what we learn from God's word, from the teaching we receive each week, every week, when we come to church, either physically or online, will calm those fears and bring forward a recognition that, and I'll steal um, Natalie Grace's lyrics here, in Christ alone my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm, what heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all. Here in the love of Christ I stand. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to earth in a humble manner. The saviour of the world and God of all creation came to earth to die for our sins, to conquer death and give hope of salvation to all who turn from sin and believe on him. 
one day he will return in judgment. And he won't be appearing as some seemingly helpless baby, but as the risen, glorified, sovereign Lord and judge. Amen. What will it be like for you when he returns? Will you be safe and secure because you've been saved by his amazing grace? Or will you tremble in fear because the holy and righteous God, um, as you are, or will you, let me go again. Or will you tremble in fear before the holy and righteous God as you are condemned for rejecting his gracious offer of salvation? And yet more importantly, are you there yet? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word today. And Lord, I just uh, pray that uh, some of these words may have touched, touched our hearts, Lord, that as we look upon you, and Lord, as we sing this final song in Christ alone, Lord, that we just truly recognise that it is only through your saving grace that we are saved and can uh, have a, a relationship with you. So Lord, I just thank you. Thank you for this time together. I just thank you for this, uh, our team for all who have turned up at church today and all who are uh, watching online, Lord, please bless them. Lord, and I just pray these things in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. Yes, as John said, please stand and join us as we sing that song. I'm remembering that our hope and our strength is in Christ alone. Amen.